joined with us tonight. And uh, if this is your 10,000th time being here, we're also glad that you're here as well. Uh, we've got folks visiting from different parts of the world tonight. Uh, glad to have, uh, don't mean embarrassed, but I'm glad to have uh, Steon's mom here. And uh, he, he must have been a very hard boy to raise. Was he hard to raise? No, he was a good boy, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, so uh, anyways, it's good to have uh, Mrs. Seronio here with us and others as well. Uh, go to Galatians chapter 5 and stand with me if you would. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and by now, uh, you know the passage, uh, and you've read it a number of times, but we're going to read it again. Now, let me, let me give a, a little piece of advice. Um, if you want to get as much as you can out of Bible study, um, my recommendation is this. Turn your phone off for a little bit, um, and uh, just be still for a little bit. And kids, uh, unless someone's sick, you know what? I don't think you're going to die from sitting still. Amen. 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 Uh, it'll be good to be still. That way you can get as much out of the Word of God as you can. We live in a society that is constantly going and constantly moving. And, and I think sometimes we're almost afraid of being still and being quiet. Because then we have to think. And if we have to think, we have to realize where we're at. And if I realize where I'm at, then I've got to assess things. That's the purpose of church. All right, so look at Galatians 5, if, look if you would at verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. Once you get saved... Something is ignited from within that was dead before. That's your spirit it is brought alive by the Spirit of God. You are, as the Bible says, regenerated. As the Bible says, born again by faith in Jesus Christ. And when that takes place, the moment that takes place, all of a sudden you're going to see a struggle take place that wasn't there before. And the reason why is because prior to that, all that you ever did was take care of whatever your body wanted. Whatever the, the flesh wants, I'm going to do it. Now that I'm saved, someone's inside of me saying, maybe you shouldn't say that. Maybe you shouldn't think that way. Maybe you shouldn't go there. Maybe that's not the right relationship for you. Can I get a witness? And then there's this battle that goes on. You go, yeah, but, right? Uh, look at verse number uh, 18. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery. Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't say they can't be saved. You can be saved and do anything a lost person can do. You know why? Because your flesh, even after you get saved, the real you, your soul, your flesh is not saved. The Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 8, you are waiting for your flesh to be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Aren't you looking forward to that day? Well, good, I am too, but until then, it's going to bother you, right? And so you're going to have to choose whether you follow the old nature or the new one inside of you. Uh, look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. We talked about that. It's pure love, joy should be expressed, peace from within, long-suffering, 
gentleness. I want you to look at that next one. Goodness. Goodness. Now, you may look at that word and go, well, just a small thing. I mean, everyone knows what good is. Do we? We're going to find out tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Jose, I'm going to ask you to ask God's blessing on what we're going to look at. Amen. Amen, BC, that we've gone over this before, but for reintroduction purposes, I, I want to explain there are three types of, of humans on this planet. And I, I'm not just referring to Jews and Gentiles in the church of God. Uh, there is the natural man, that's someone that is lost. The only sense that they have is following what their flesh tells them is good, right? And, and then there's the, the person that gets saved and gets all the way in. Now, listen to me very carefully. You can get saved and not get all the way in. What I mean by that is this. The moment you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a born-again child of God. You are as saved as you are ever going to be. All right, And you cannot, thank God for this, you are sealed on the day of redemption. You can't lose it. Thank God for that. However, just because you're saved doesn't mean you're going to walk in the Spirit. The Bible says if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So there's the natural man who's lost. Then there's the man that gets saved and gets all the way in and goes, you know what, God? I'm submitted to you for my, the, your plan for my life. I'm submitted to the Spirit of God. I'm not going to follow my flesh. I'm going to follow the Spirit of God in my life. That is what the Bible calls a spiritual man or a spiritual woman. Then there's the person that gets saved, and they get saved, but they go, you know what? I know what the Bible says, but. I know what the preacher said, but. I know what the Holy Spirit's leading me in, but, and they give all these reasons why they can't do it or won't do it, and the Bible says of that individual, they're not natural because they're saved, but they're also not spiritual because even though they're saved, they're living by their flesh. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter number uh, 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Now, we talked about this before, but uh, carnal just means fleshy. And you know what? I think for far too long, uh, our churches focus on not being worldly. And look, I'm, I'm, I'll give you the same warning. You don't want to be uh, of the world. You are in the world, but not of it. Amen? You are not of, once you're saved, you're not of this world, all right? And your standards and your mindset and your heart and your goals and your dreams and desires, they should not be set by the world. They should be set by the word of God. However, listen to me very carefully, you don't have to be worldly to be carnal. I know some people that, that man, you know, they, they dress the part and they read the Bible and they, you know, they come to church, and, but they have a lot of pride. And I know some people that they've been saved for years and they come to Bible study and they, they do all the stuff you're supposed to do and they, they have tracks in their shirt coats and that's good, that's good, uh, in their coat pockets and, you know, they, they do all the stuff, but, but they gossip about people. Are you following what I'm saying? And so that person is saved, but they are carnal. All right, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look if you would at verse 1. And by the way, tonight is Wednesday night Bible study, all right? So we will look at a lot of scripture as we do this. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. He wanted to. 
He wanted to bring them further in Christ. He wanted to show them more in the word of God. He wanted them to grow further and to go to the other side, if you will. But they wouldn't do it. You say, why? I wanted to speak to you as a, on a spiritual, but I couldn't. Why? Because the Bible says, but I had to speak to you as in a carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Look at verse 3. For ye are yet, he doesn't give the warning of them being worldly. He says they're carnal. How do you identify carnality? Well, here's how you identify worldliness. I look like the world, I talk like the world, I act like the world. That's easy. Identifying carnality is a little bit deeper, though, because look what it is. In verse number three, he says he talks about envying and strife and divisions. And he says, are you, not, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I'm of Paul, another, I'm of Apollos, are ye not yet carnal? In other words, you guys are acting like little children, spiritual children instead of being spiritual adults there is a maturing process that should take place in your life i'll put it to you this way if you come to church and you're thinking no one shook my hand and i hope we're done soon and uh, they didn't notice me and they didn't recognize me you're carnal Uh, and you i don't do any drugs and i'm not living you know i'm not sleeping around yeah but you're carnal because your mindset is still on you. It's like a child thinks. Listen, when a child walks in the room, they don't automatically think of, oh, who can I serve? Do you know many children that way? Some of you are like, oh, mine are all that way. Well, mine aren't exactly born that way. I can tell you that much. It must be trained in them. And by nature, what children do is they expect for you to drop everything for them. In, in about uh, six more months, my wife's not here tonight. She wasn't feeling well. And uh, pray for our pregnant ladies, if you will. All right. Uh, but, uh, she, she, you know, in about six more months or so, do I have this right? Someone help me out. Six more months. Yes, six more months. Whew. All right. This is being recorded. She might be watching this. I don't know. In about six months, we're, we're going to have a, a, our baby uh, uh, born. And you know what? She is not. We're saying she's a she because everything so far says she. All right. She is not going to say, Mom, you've worked so hard to bring me this far. Just take a break. You know what she's going to do? You say, why? Because all she's thinking about is, I'm hungry and you need to feed me. Now listen, when you first get saved, there's nothing wrong with that. But as you grow as a child of God, you should not still be there. You say, what's the difference between a spiritual person and a carnal person? A spiritual person follows the Spirit of God. A carnal person follows their flesh. And all they think about is themselves and how the decision will impact them. And what are people going to think of me? And how is this going to make me look instead of thinking about God? What do you want in my life? You see the contrast? One is self-centered and one is spirit-centered. And so tonight we're going to talk about goodness. But before we can do that, we've got to talk about the fact that, listen, the work of the Spirit of God is to show us what is true and what is untrue. Because we're going to talk about goodness tonight and what it is to be a good Christian and and what the goodness of God is in your life. Someone's got to determine what good is. I don't want to go off into the weeds, but there's a lot of conversation these days about, you know, gender and all that kind of stuff. And there's a guy walking around with a microphone going, what is a woman? And people are getting mad at him for asking what a woman is. It shouldn't be that hard. For thousands of years, we knew the answer. Don't look at me like that tonight, guys. Come on now. I'm not being political. I'm just talking about common sense. You guys, our, gen- our next generation doesn't have a shot if we can at least tell them, that's a woman, that's a man. All right? Now, listen, the reason I mention that is this. If no one can really determine that, all right, and if it's just left up to us, then make it whatever you want. Are you with me? 
Now look at John chapter 16. What is good and what is not good in your life? You need to ask yourself that. Take inventory of the people and the relationships and, and the words and the conversation and the, the things that you, you are, the decisions you're making. Are these decisions good or are they bad? You say, well, it's not always that easy, preacher. Well, always start with what is easy, all right? Uh, look at John chapter 16 and look at verse number 13. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you're saved, look what it says here. How is Jesus speaking? How be it? When he, the spirit of truth, is come, notice his title. He's the spirit of what? Well, if there's no truth, then what is he? If there's no such thing as absolute truth, then what is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? If you determine what is truth and what is good on your own without God, he has no function in your life at all. And he says, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into what? Man, it kind of sounds like God believes there's such a thing as truth, whether you do or not. He, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Look at John chapter 18. Just go two chapters to the right. So here's what happens. Jesus Christ came, and Jesus shows up. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, he says, I am not uh, 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 here to represent a lie. And he tells the Pharisees there, he says, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He says this, he was a liar from the beginning. So Jesus Christ comes in stark contrast to the person of, the, of Satan, and he says, look, he's about lies, and he's about confusion. I'm here to represent the truth, and I am the truth. Look at John chapter 18, and look at verse number 37. John chapter 18, verse 37. You say, what's going on here? Uh, Jesus Christ is standing before Pontius Pilate, before he's crucified. Uh, look at verse 37. And, and let me just say this. I am burdened. I really am, especially for our youth, because they're growing up in a world that tells them all the time, no one can know anything. And you know why suicide rates are up? And you know why, why kids are on antidepressants like crazy? And you know why the world's a stinking mess? Because if there are no absolutes, you're wandering from thing to thing, trying to find what is right for your life, and you don't know where to start, and you don't know where it's going. And they need direction from the word of God. And they need to see some adults that will stand up and say, this is truth. Yeah. Look at what Jesus says in John 18, verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, art thou a king then? Jesus answered, thou sayest I'm a king. <laughs> I like the way he answered that. Well, you said so. To this end, watch it, to this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the Everyone that is of the heareth my voice. Now, let me just say this. Jesus Christ tells his disciples, look, I came to, to show you the way, to, to show you truth, and to show you life, and that is through me. Now, I'm about to die. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to rise again. And when I leave this planet, Acts chapter number one, when I leave this planet and go back to where I came from, all right, and he's not an alien from outer space. He's God manifest in the flesh. When he goes back to where he comes from, uh, the Bible says that Jesus promised them the spirit of God to comfort them, but also to lead and to guide them in all truth. So here's what I'm getting at. This is what I'm getting at tonight. Jesus represented that which is good for us, and he left us with someone residing inside of us as New Testament Christians to show us what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong, what is truth and what is false. So if we're going to look at goodness tonight, here's what we've got to determine first off, right, right off the bat, is this. I don't determine what is good for myself. 
If I'm the one doing it, I'm going to get it wrong oftentimes. Anybody here remember them, themselves at 13, 14 years of age, if you're older in life and remember yourself back then? I remember I could drink a two liter of Dr. Pepper at one time without thinking about it at all, and it would be no problem whatsoever. If I tried that today, I'd probably throw up. Back then, I thought that was the greatest drink on this. I'm probably going to split the church. Some of you still love Dr. Pepper. I'm sorry if you do, man. I, I love today. My thing is coffee. I love coffee. But if you'd ask me what is the greatest drink on the planet when I was 13, I'd say Dr. Pepper, absolutely. And Flaming Hot Cheetos was better than any vegetable on the planet. Because I lived off the Flaming Hot Cheetos and Dr. Pepper, man. And, and I thought that was the stuff. Let me tell you something. Over time, your mind changes about what you think is good. Can I get a witness? There are things you think are good at certain stages of your life. I'm going to pick on the ladies for a moment. Any ladies have a guy that you thought, oh my gosh, he's just a man, I just need that. And now you look back and go, what a scumbag that guy was. Right? Right? All the teenage guys are like, what are you talking about, man? Come on now. Uh, you, because what you think is good at one stage of your life does not necessarily uh, uh, stand a reason with what you think is good later on. You know why? Because you change. Do you know what you need? You need someone that doesn't change, that has always known what truth is, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the way the truth and life to go, this is what is good and this is what is bad. Let me just say this much. The Bible says he has magnified his word above all his name and we are to praise him for his loving kindness and his truth. David says, I will walk in thy truth. The psalmist says, oh, send out thy light and thy truth. He says this as well, lead me in thy truth. In other words, it's not my truth. I don't take truth and, and mold it into what I want. It's God's to determine what is right and what is wrong, what is true, and what is false. And once I discover what that is in my life, it's my job to conform to God, not the other way around. There's an old saying goes a little bit like this. In the beginning, God created man... And ever since then, man's been trying to return the favor. You, know, you hear what I'm saying? It's like, okay, well, well, I know what you said, God, but I just wish you would change this, and I, I wish you would quit being so outdated and, and so old-fashioned, and God, can't you just bend a little bit on truth, and why is that a big deal, and, and, and why does that matter so much? And God's going, I'm not going to change. And you better thank God he doesn't change. You know what the original temptation was? For you to be as gods, for you to determine what was good and evil. Yeah. Genesis chapter 3. And we haven't changed all that much. Think about this. In, in the beginning, man, you got, you got two people living in a perfect place, and as soon as they realize that they've done something wrong, and as soon as they realize that they're naked, I mean, come on, guys. You, you, any of you that have kids, when they're about one, two years old, you chase them when they get out of the bath. They don't think twice about it. They're running through the house, butt naked, man. They're naked as a jaybird, and they're happy, and they're putting their arms up. And somewhere around three or four, something happens where they go, you start chasing them, they go, uh, uh, are there people out there? Right? Something, who told them to do that? Where does that come from if we just came from monkeys? Uh, you know what happened th uh, 6,000 years ago, uh, uh, give or so a few years? Uh, you know what happened? Two people in the garden found out they did something wrong, and as soon as God shows up, they go, uh, well, let's just hide over here. And God's like, hey, Adam, where are you? Kind of like playing hide and seek with you know, a dad with a kid, and the dad sees the kid clearly, but he tries to pretend he doesn't see him. There's a kid kind of thinks he's part of the game. And so he goes, Adam, where are you? And the Lord knows exactly where Adam is. 
Adam's like, Lord, uh, we're over here. Well, what happened over there, Adam? What's, what's going on? How came you not out here? Well, we're naked. Well, Adam, who, who told you we're naked? And the first thing Adam and Eve do is they try to cover themselves. And God goes, the covering that you have is no good. I need to cover you with something that is good. And it's a great picture of a self-righteous person that knows that they're lost. They know they're a sinner, but instead of coming to Jesus Christ, they try to sew the fig leaves together and go, let me live the best life that I can. Let me be as religious as possible. And God sees right through that. Your self-righteous is not good enough. Your self-righteousness is no good in the sight of God. You know what the Bible says over there in the book of Isaiah? All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. You know what that is? The best, the good that I could bring to God in God's sight, the good that I do without Him is no good. We live in some weird times. I watched a news report about a, a woman in England who thought she was a cat. <laughs> now, I'm not saying this to make fun of her. I'm really not. Um, but there's a whole movement of people that want to be animals. And, you know, Romans 1 describes that. But do you know where a lot of this stuff comes from? It comes from the idea that there is no way to know anything. There is no truth and there is no good. and there is, It's just kind of all in your mind. Recently, I was talking with somebody about that very thing. And I, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, what Hitler did, was it good or bad? Well, you know, in his own mind, it was good. I said, no, no, no. Was it right or was it wrong? Well, you know, I mean, he thought, I said, I don't, can we get away from what a psychotic, demon-possessed mass murderer thinks for a moment? And can we ask a sane person, what do you think about what that man did? It should not be that hard to answer. It was wrong. So who determines what is right or wrong? Now, we would look at society as believers and go, Man, you know what the problem is out there? No absolute truth. They don't believe the Bible, and and because of that, they're a mess, and they don't know where they're going or which way's up or down, and that's all true, but let's take a look in the mirror. How do you make decisions, believer? How do you determine what's okay? How do you determine what's too far? How do you determine what's right for your life? How do you determine that you should have that relationship and that person in your life? Who determines that for you? You know, I've learned, I've learned this a long time ago. A lot of Christians live like practical atheists. They say all the right things on the onset, but when it comes to you start digging in their life, they don't ask God what he thinks about anything. And they determine what is goodness in their own life. And can I say this? That is a dangerous place to be. Goodness in Webster's 1828 is described as the state of being good. The physical qualities which constitute value, excellence, or perfection. And you know what that is? That points us to the the nature and the character of God himself. One time, they came to Jesus and they said, good master. And he said, who is good but God? Remember that? You say, what was he trying to say? He's trying to say, look, if you're calling me good master, you are associating me with God the Father. In other words, if there's anything good in my life, let's apply it to us believers today. If there's anything good and right in my life, it's because of Jesus Christ. And that's it. Now, let me just say this. The moment you got saved, here's what God did. God put a treasure inside of you. The Bible calls it a treasure in an earthen vessel. The Bible describes that as Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's a good man. Here's a sinless man. Here's a perfect man. And his account 
is put on yours and your sin is put on his account. That's a good deal once you get saved, is it not? And he did that for you. And now that goodness resides inside of you. But let me just say this much. God says this over in the book of Philippians uh, through the Apostle Paul. He says this. He says, God wants you not to work for your own salvation. You can't work for it. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not about you working for it. But rather, once it's inside of you, the Bible says, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. God put some goodness inside of you when you got saved. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to pour it out in the world around you. But you know what? That's never going to happen if you never come to grips with what good actually is in your life. If you don't allow God to be the one that determines what is good in your life, let me ask you a question. What are the habits in your life? Are they good or are they bad? Well, I don't feel they're that bad. I, I, by the way, when I ask that question, I'm not the judge there. You know who is? The one that's living inside of you if you're a child of God. But when was the last time you said, God, look at the relationships in my life. Are these good people that I should have in my life? Do they bring me closer to your desire for my life or do they bring me further away from it? Lord, uh, this habit that I have in my life that maybe nobody else knows about, God, is this a good habit or is this a bad habit? Lord, I have held on to it because I've said this. I can handle it. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody else is doing it. Uh, I don't see what the problem is. I've used all those excuses, but God, I want to put that down tonight, and I want to ask you, God, is it good? Lord, do you like the way that I think? You ever think about that? Let me ask you a question. Any of you that are are dating and or married, don't you at some point have to do some things that you don't necessarily like to please the one that you love? Right? Some of you that are married are like, oh yeah, all kinds of stuff. (laughs) Like she wants it hot and I want it cold. Right now my wife's pregnant, so she wants the house that like you can see your breath cold. And it's it's like uncomfortable because you go from like 95 degree weather to like Siberia. And, and I'm like, baby, can we, oh, do you care? About? Oh, yeah, baby, we'll just leave it right there. We'll leave it right there. You, you say, what is that? He that is married careth for his wife, therefore he careth for the things of the world. But you know what I'm getting at? I'm getting at this. Because I love my wife, I want to know, honey, what is good for you? When's the last time you as a believer said, God, what is good for you? Lord, would you look at my speech and the conversations I have with people, both in person and online? Would those be good conversations? Lord, because after all, you want to bring goodness out of my life, don't you? One of the manifestations of the fruit of the the Spirit of God working in your life, if you are led of the Spirit, what God is going to do, He's going to pour that goodness out into a sour and a lost and dark world. This world needs some goodness. Can we agree on that? I mean, whether you agree politically or anything else that we, we might disagree on tonight, we can look at the world and go, man, this world is dying for some goodness. Let me tell you this. The goodness you have in you is from the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Look, if you would, at uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Give me some doctrine here. I'm going to give you some practical stuff here at the end. Kind of wrap this up. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And look, if you would, at verse number 21. Now, when you first get saved, you don't know where all the books of the Bible are, and that's okay. Uh, You just keep flipping, and eventually you'll get there. Amen? 
a little secret that some of the Christians in here maybe haven't told you is at the front of your Bible, it lists out all the books of the Bible, and you can just go there and use it as a cheat sheet. Anybody remember doing that? Anybody? All right. Some of you got it memorized now, but you didn't back then. All right. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number uh, 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now watch this. For he, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. Here's a sinless man, and he didn't just bear our sin. He became it. He became lust. He became envy. He became pride. He became everything that is wrong with every single one of us in this room. And he did it because he loved your soul. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Now watch this. That we might be made the what? Righteousness of God in him. The issue is this. Is it the righteousness of man that's good enough or the righteousness of God? You know what the answer ought to be. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, here's how you think. You think, well, I try to be nice to my neighbor. I, I try not to lie too much. I, I try not to, you know, use God's name in vain. I, I try not to murder anybody. Anytime I ask anybody, are you a sinner? Like, well, I've never killed anybody. Right. Like, good, I'm glad you're not a murderer, you know? Can we move beyond that, though, right? And, and, and so you go through the list of things that you know you shouldn't be doing. Go, I try not to do those things. Great, wonderful. What about the things you have done? Your self-righteousness, your own goodness, isn't good enough in God's economy. Now, once you get saved, God gives you His goodness. He gives you His righteousness. And what He wants is He wants to take that goodness from within and kind of like an orange when you take that fresh squeezed orange juice, man, there's nothing like it in the world. You take that orange and you put it over that little spinny thing, you know what I'm talking about? And you get that fresh orange juice. Oh, man, when I was a kid in Puerto Rico, my grandma would do that, and I loved it. And there's nothing like fresh squeezed orange juice. But let me just say this. Sometimes you've got to squeeze on the outside to get the goodness that's on the inside out. You know what none of us want? We don't want that. You know what God wants to do in your life, Christian? He wants to bring some things to your life that will say, you know what? I'm trying to get the goodness out of you. You may not even like the process, but there's some things this world needs. They desperately need to see some goodness. They desperately need to see some righteousness. Listen to me. They need to see some purity, some holiness, some cleanliness, spiritually speaking, some purity. They need to see that. They don't see that out there. You know what's a blessing? It is a blessing to take our youth to camp and go to a place where there's not foul language and there's no filthy images and there's nothing grabbing their attention and it's Bible, Bible, Bible. You know why? They come out of that thing different. You know why? It's pure. Now, I know you can't live at camp. I understand that. But you as a believer should be walking in the Spirit and submitting to the Spirit of God so that you don't make decisions like Isaac did. Go to Genesis 27. One of the hardest things to do is to tell people that are believers to quit listening to their flesh and quit responding the way you've always responded. And, 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 you know, the world talks about a sixth sense, and you as a believer have that actual thing. You say, what is that? It's the Holy Spirit inside of you. Now, let me just say this. The, The first person to declare anything good in the Bible was not man. It was God. God creates in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 4, he saw that it was good. In verse 10, he saw that it was good. In verse 12, he saw that it was good. In verse 18, he saw that it was good. In verse 21, he saw that it was good. In verse 25, I saw it was good. In verse 31, it was very good. (laughs) And you know what? God, God is the one that first said, that's good. You know what that shows me? He's the one that determines what's good. 
He's the one. Now look at Genesis 27. Let me give you a little bit of background here. You got two sons, and they're both wanting something from their dad. I don't have time to go into all of the son's stories, and I could tell you how Esau was wrong, and I could tell you how Jacob was wrong, and I, I, the Lord's been dealing with me maybe about preaching about Esau, because I, I've talked so much about Jacob in my life, I think maybe it's a, maybe time for, for us to look at the other brother, but I don't want to do that so much tonight. What I want to do more so is, is look at the dad. I, I want you to notice that, that Jacob, what he does in this story is wrong. Uh, look, if you would, at verse uh, number one, and it came to pass that when Isaac was old, and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see. He called Esau his eldest son, and said to him, My son. And he said to him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old, I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. The father says to the son, listen, you're the firstborn. Uh, you get the first whack at this. Uh, I want you to go make me a nice meal. Go hunt it and go make me that stew. Mama hears that. Look at verse number six. Mama hears this and look what she does. She talks to the other son in verse six. And she says, son, I've got an idea. Look at verse seven. Uh, she tells him what the father says. Look at verse eight. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two kids of the goats Wait, wait, did I, did I miss something? Two good kids from the goats. You see that? Now, we're, we're starting to get into something real here, real here. We're starting to get into what someone calls good, and we're going to see that God doesn't. And you'll learn really quick that what you call good isn't always what God calls good. And just because you've killed your conscience for so long doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit of God inside of you is not looking at that thing going, that has no place in your life. So he says, two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. He's a soft man. He's kind of a pretty boy. He doesn't like getting his dirt under his nails. He, kind of, he, he plays Xbox all day, okay? That's what he does. He doesn't go outside, he doesn't sweat, he doesn't do any sports, he doesn't, he just kind of stays inside with the AC blowing, you know, and he, maybe, maybe he knits, I don't know, maybe Jacob likes to knit, I'm not sure, but he does something, hey listen, the Bible calls him a smooth man, he calls himself a smooth man, and Esau, his brother's the guy that's out there hunting, and Jacob goes, mom, I don't think you get it, if I do this thing, and I, I, I try to go and I try to trick dad, he's going to know it's me, he's going to feel my arms, you know what she says, you keep reading that passage, she says this, she goes, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take of those goats, and I'll take those skins of those goats, and I'll put them on your arms. And when dad goes to feel you, he's going to think that you're Esau. Now I want you to see something. Look, if you would, at verse number 15. Rebecca took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. Can I ask you a question? Just because Jacob was wearing Esau's clothes, did, Jake, did Jacob become Esau? Jacob was still Jacob, wasn't he? Look, look down, if you would, at verse 16. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smoothness of his neck. Question, just because you're wearing skins and you're a hairy man now, does that make you Esau? No, you're still Jacob. Uh, look, if you would, at verse 17. She gave it the savory meat and the bread, and, which she had prepared in the hand of her son Jacob. 
And he came into his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto the father, Now that's the first red flag. He goes, Wait a minute, who are you? He says, Oh, dad, I'm Esau. I've done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? Isaac kind of knows something isn't right. I want you to pretend to be Isaac tonight. I want you not to be Jacob, and I don't want you to be Esau. I want you to be Isaac. You know why? Because every single day of your life, things are presented to you that just don't feel right. And they don't sound right. And the timing is off, like he notices right here. But I want you to notice what happens. He said, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, come near, I pray that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, the voice, watch this, is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Now, this is where you start asking questions like, what's your favorite color? (laughs) What did you do on your 15th birthday? What's your social security number? I I mean, something, man. You know what dad does? He's hungry. Are you hearing me? He wants to rush through the process and get it over. He eats the meal, and he blesses the wrong son. Do you know what Isaac did? Listen very carefully, because if you don't get this, you're going to miss the whole message. Isaac did what a lot of Christians do today. Isaac operated by his feelings. Everything in my life is telling me this isn't right, but it feels, watch it, good. Can I, can I just give you a little piece of advice? Just because it feels good right now. Yesterday, my company had a kickball thing, you know, and I'm out there, you know, kicking the testosterone, running bases, Felt great yesterday. I am sore like an old man today. <laughs> Felt good yesterday. Listen, there are some things in your life that are going to feel good one day. And you'll regret it for the rest of your life. I'm, I'm trying so hard not to just pour this out on the young people because this applies to all of us. But let me tell you right now, there are things that a young man will tell you, young ladies, Because he wants something that you have that you should never give up until the day that you're married. You can call me old-fashioned if you want to. I I, Listen, here's the deal. You know what's really nice at night? Knowing that the person that's lying next to me is the only one that I've ever lied next to. I I know that's not the condition for everybody. I'm not trying to cast stones, but I'm going to tell you, it feels really good. You know what feels better? It feels better doing things God's way. Now, what feels good right now may not feel good tomorrow. So rather than going by your feelings you say what ends up happening Esau shows up and Esau's got some feelings now Esau's mad and Esau says I want to kill my brother and Rebecca the mom the architect of this entire thing you know she told Jacob when Jacob's like nah this is a bad idea mom dad's gonna figure it out dad's gonna know she said son your curse be upon me and she never saw her son again she misses out on seeing her son Esau runs his brother out of town And Isaac dies with his family split. Why? Because people made decisions, listen to me, based off of feelings. You by yourself cannot determine what is good. You need God to do that. 
And God wants to pour out goodness from your life. And listen, the woman in the garden, Eve, saw that the tree was good for what? Food. It was good in the moment, but what it brought long term was not good. Listen, over there in the book of Isaiah, when, G- when God describes uh, the nation of Israel and where they're at because they turned their back on him, much like we have done in this society as well. Do you know what he says about that society, about that nation? Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. You aren't living in a world where evil is good and good is evil. How in the world is it a bad thing for someone to go outside these four walls and tell someone else, God loved you enough to die for you? There are some places in the world where that's considered hate speech. Because you're bringing up the nature of sin, and that might hurt someone's feelings. Well, guess what? There's a lot of things that hurt my feelings, and I'm still surviving. Amen. Man, there's a lot of things that I'm offended by, by a wicked and godless world, but you know what? I continue to live anyways. You need to understand this much. It is not our job to worry about what everyone's going to feel about something, but rather to understand what is right and what is wrong. What is good and what is evil? And one of the worst things you can do, Christian, is this, is you get to a place in your life where you go, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what's evil. I don't know what's good. You say, who does that? The devil does that. He brings that confusion in your life and you don't know what's good and you don't know what's evil and you start to look at the things that are good and you start going, I don't like that. And then you look at the things that are evil and you go, I don't see the big deal. You know how that happens? By being like Isaac and ignoring all the red flags that the Holy Spirit puts in your life to say, I'm trying to bring goodness out of you, but you keep covering it up with a bunch of dirt. And every time I try to bring that out, you bring something in that isn't good. And child of mine, you've come to a place where you no longer even see it. And you don't recognize it. Can I say this? The problem with the world today is not politics. It's a spiritual issue of the heart. I don't care if you think, you know, the, 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 the Democrats are the greatest thing since sliced bread, the Republicans are evil, or vice versa. It does not matter. That's not going to fix Whatever is wrong with this world, you might get certain things that you want for a couple years out of someone you vote into office, but the real issue is the human heart, and that doesn't get fixed without Jesus Christ. And the reason why the world is hurting so bad for direction is because the people that should have it are acting like we don't. And you know what that comes from? Not being able to discern what is good and what is evil. Christian, can I ask you tonight, go back to Galatians chapter 5. And understand, God doesn't want you living like Isaac. God wants you to be able to discern that which is good and that which is evil. Can I simply ask you a few questions as we close? How do you determine that? How do you determine? Listen, there are some things the Bible says, listen, that we should be ashamed of. I just don't believe in guilt. Look. I believe in something called conviction. Where the Holy Spirit says, that isn't right for you. That should not be in your life. That is not good for you. And in the moment that he does that, it is then your responsibility to go, you know what, God? 
I like it. It feels good to me. I like the way that I can zing someone back with what I say. I like being able to, to feel better about myself than somebody else. I like being able to look at that, even though the Holy Spirit says don't look at that. I like being able to go there. I like being in this relationship, even though, God, I know you've said it's off limits. I like these things. That is the issue. It feels good. But I want you to understand that when you stand before Jesus Christ, the one who in the book of Acts is described as Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth that went about doing good. You are going to want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You will not hear him say that, and I will not hear him say that if I don't first align myself in this life right now with that which he says is good. Now look, I could go through a number of things in the Bible that are listed as good. You know, things that the Bible says are not good. It is not good for a man to, to be alone. It is good for a man not to touch a woman unless he's married. All these different things. But here's what I'll tell you. As you delve in the scriptures for yourself, the Spirit of God is going to speak to you about what is right and about what is wrong. Uh, th- th- I've learned this a long time ago. I could go through and I could list every single problem in your life and you could change it for the preacher, but until you see it's from God, it's not gonna make an impact in your life. When you come to a place, you go, God, this is offensive to you. That's what happened when you got saved. It wasn't because the preacher says it. It was because the Holy Spirit of God was saying, you are lost and your sin offends God and you've broken God's law and you haven't made it right and there's something broken inside of you and you can't fix you without God. And it wasn't until you bent to that that you got saved. Now listen, you don't have to get saved over and over and over. But if you want to be led of the Spirit of God and you want goodness to come out of you, I want to challenge you believers tonight. I got a challenge for you if you're lost. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, what could be gooder? It may not be good grammar, but what could be better than a person that never sinned, knows everything about you, and still said, yep, put me on that cross. I'll take their sin. I'll take their place in the sight of God. I'll take their punishment. What could be better than a man like that? And you Christians, can I say this? Some of you know what's good. And you're not doing it. And some of you know what's not good, and you're embracing it. I don't know. You know what? I've got enough trouble in my life. I, someone come one time came up to me after church, and they go, you must have a camera in my house. I said, that's illegal, ma'am. <laughs> I don't have a camera in your house. I don't know what you're doing, but I can tell you this much. I am like you. And I deal with these issues myself. And you know what I do sometimes? I look at myself in the mirror, try to lie with a straight face and go, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And the Lord says, you're a liar. You know there's something wrong with that because my spirit says that isn't good for you. Can I ask you a question? If God told you to let go of something, would you do it? I'll close with this thought. Peter's out there in John 21. And the Lord tells him, cast the net on the other side. And you know what Peter has to do? Peter has to take that net and throw it one more time. He's got to trust God and let go of that, thinking in his own mind, I've already done this, I've been here, I've done that, I'm not going to catch anything, who's this crazy guy on the shore, this is stupid, I've tried this, I'm done with this. You know what he's still going to do? He has to go, okay, 
gets 153 fish at one time. That's a good catch. I'm not a fisherman, but I think that's a good catch. You know what? You can get a whole lot more in your life if you learn to let go of some things. You want good in your life? God, I want more good. I want more good. Okay, let go of some things. Let's all stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. The Lord's dealt with you tonight. The altar's open. Father, would you, would you teach us to be more like you? You are good. <laughs> you are righteous. You are holy. You're perfect. Nothing wrong with you. We can't point at anything you've ever done and say you're wrong. You are the definition of good. You are goodness. You are our goodness inside of us. God, I pray you deal with your own people tonight. And Lord, I pray that rather than justifying that which is not right, rather than holding on to those habits and those words and those relationships and those thoughts, those things which are not good, or would you help us to embrace that which is good and to reject that which is evil so we can be filled with that which is good, so we can then pour it out back in this world. And Lord, I don't know all the decisions that are being represented here tonight, but I know this much. Your people have decisions to make. Let them not make it like Isaac. Let them not make it just by feeling. Lord, I pray that you would be the one that determines what is good for our lives. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Christian, what's good for you? I know what's good for me. No, that's, that's the problem. We don't always know what's good for us. You need the Holy Spirit of God to lead you. It's, it, it just... It, if you could see what God sees sometimes, it'd be like the kid, like we learned about on Sunday, holding on to the penny, and there's that piece of china. <laughs> and you're willing to give up thousands of dollars for a penny. You know why? Because for far too long, you've determined on your own what you think is good instead of relying on God. <laughs> song he's playing is called Fill Me Now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'll ask this question. I believe I'm primarily speaking to saved people, but if you're saved, here's the answer for you. Whatever's wrong in my life, that's me. <laughs> Whatever's right and good in my life, that's God. Amen? Amen. You know that because you're saved, though. You have the confidence of eternal life. If you're here tonight and you don't know what it means to be saved and you go, you keep talking about Jesus, you talk about a sinless man and I know I don't measure up to that and if that's the standard God's going to use, then I don't know how I'm going to make it to heaven. If that person's here tonight, can I encourage you before you leave this place, grab someone that can open up a Bible 
and tell you the greatest love story that's ever been told is not between a man and a woman, it's between God and his creation. God loved you enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, to bring the greatest thing, not just the, the, a good thing, the greatest thing you could ever glean, eternal life, a relationship with God. He wants to offer that to you for free. Don't reject it. Talking to a young lady on Sunday, never been born again, never been saved. Talked to her for a little bit. Got a message from that young lady today saying, you know what, preacher, I, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Thank you. That's a blessing. It's such a simple step, and yet it keeps, so many people put it off for so long. If that's you, it's the greatest decision you could ever make. It's how you bring real goodness into your life. Christian, as you face the rest of your week and you look at your schedule and you try to determine what to do with your time and you know what you ought to do? Ask God, Lord, what would be a good use of my time? How could I, how could I use my time in a good, Lord, these relationships in my life, Lord, do, do you think they're good? Lord, do these thoughts that I'm having according to Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 if there be any virtue purity, holy Lord if it any any good Lord is, is this good how I'm thinking is this right far too often believers make decisions based on how they feel only to regret it years and years down the road rather than going by your emotions listen Go by the word of God because this is the book that the spirit of God inspired for you so you could have direction in your life on what is good so you don't live like the rest of the world going good is evil and evil is good. I mean, that's what the talking heads on the news are saying. And if they're saying it, must be right. They're the experts. That woman in Mark 14, we're about to wrap it up. Mark 14, Jesus says about her, she hath wrought a good work upon me. Nobody else thought it was good but God. The good, listen to me, good is not determined by the majority. Good is determined by God. And when the majority says good is evil and evil is good, they're wrong. Because regardless of what anybody else says, God determines what is good. you got something out of the word of God tonight uh, the fruit of the spirit is goodness there's virtue there's purity there's holiness and God put that inside of you when you got saved he wants to work it out 
let that goodness spill out in this world. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. And uh, glad you came out tonight. Pray that God bless you on your way home. And for all you kids, we hope to see you tomorrow night at 6.30. Are you kids excited about VBS? Yes. Yeah. Uh, right, can, can you give me a little bit more energy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay, all right, good, good. And that's not even all of them yet, man. Wait till they all get in here. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Yes, sir? Can I uh, announce what we need to do? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, please.